Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Listen, it's 2023 and there are more resources for our mental health than ever, but there's still a huge stigma around therapy and specifically Christians getting therapy. That's why I'm over the moon and grateful to talk with my friend Kobe Campbell, who is not only a friend, but also an author, a teacher, and a trauma therapist who owns her own practice called the Healing Circle Therapy and Wellness Center. If you love therapy, this episode's for you. If it terrifies you, this episode is for you. If it sounds nice, but you have no idea how or where to get help, this episode is for you. I want to give you a quick heads up that we are talking about mental health issues and there's a quick mention of suicide. We're going to give you lots of resources in the show notes, but if this feels too tender to listen to, please just skip the episode and check out the resources in the show notes. Let's go. Kobe, thank you for being here. And I get to say, like, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for coming to Charleston. Of course, of course. I loved it. I loved I, you're our first interview that isn't my husband <laughs> on this new iteration of the podcast. And I am, can't think of anything better than to have you in my living room. It's a gift. So I actually want to dive in immediately deep because Why Am I Like This is a transformative book. And I'm going to talk to all our listeners about why I want them to read it. And actually how I want them to read it. I'm going to be a little bossy (laughs) and invite them into a book club with me. But I want to talk first about what a deeply spirit-filled and biblical book it is. Mm. And to me, why that is so transformative for people to hear a therapist be rooted in these wildly beautiful themes of scripture and Christianity. And so I'm going to just start right here and say, I don't want to tell you the story. I don't want to tell you the story. You have to read the story. But the book actually opens with one of the most beautiful, miraculous stories of spiritual power I've ever heard. Yeah. So will you just do what, grieve, preach, (laughs) yell, fuss. How hard is it being a therapist who loves Jesus so deeply, loves his word, lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and experiences this tension, this fight that people are like pitting therapy versus walking with God? Wow. Um, (laughs) Say everything you want. So when it comes to like the actual clinical work, I feel like it makes it easier. Yeah. Because like it, for me, I feel like it's not on me. Like these interventions I know have supernatural power behind it because I know that God's doing something and God cares for that yeah. person, regardless of what their beliefs are. Yeah. Right? That God's love for them is present, whether they're aware of it or not. Come and on. so I love being able to serve all people of all backgrounds 
and feel like God is empowering me to do it. Yeah. So like there's a confidence I go into. Like I when someone starts trauma therapy with me, I truly believe that they're going to be healed because it's not me that wants them to be healed. And it's not even necessarily them yeah. that wants them to be healed. God wants them to be healed. Yes. And so there is something, and, and we're coming in agreement with what God wants for their life. You yeah. know, when it comes to providing the services, oh, I love it. It's great. It's incredible. To be honest, I think I'm still grieving. I think a lot of how the church interacts with faith and mental health. Yes. And, you know, I kind of went to the Lord about it and was like, God, what is this? What is going on? Help me understand what is happening because I feel like there's no space for me in the church. Mm. Like, and that's something I still in many ways feel that I think that sometimes people want to take the bits and pieces of expertise to apply it to what they're doing or to apply it in specific ways to certain things that are already established. They cannot conceptualize, I think, oftentimes that a woman, a woman of color, a woman of color who's as young as I am, has an expertise that can serve them. Right. Right. And so that's difficult. And as I was wrestling with God with that, one of the things that he said to me was like, I need you to look at where Jesus heals in scripture, Mm. right? Look at where Jesus heals. Cause I was just kind of like, okay, God, whatever, like, like churches invite me and then they uninvite me. We don't know. We're scared. We're nervous, but like, and it feels like it's always like a wrestle just to get people help just to give people awareness. The Lord was like, look at where Jesus heals. Majority of Jesus's healing happens outside the temple. Yeah. When I tell you to go, you go. If they don't let you in, you create a space where people can experience that. And that's a lot of why my practice exists. It's a hard truth, but like God's desire for healing will not be controlled by man-made structures. Yeah. You know, and so people are going to therapy when they can't find that healing in church. And there are, you know, many of us who want people to find that healing in church, but there is a submission not to therapists, but there's a submission to God. Yeah. There's There's a humility in saying, yes, I may be 60 years old, but I don't know everything. Yeah. I don't have expertise in this area that I think people are going to have to adopt for people to really experience true healing and understanding the work we do is about honoring the design that God has made of human beings. Exactly. That's it. Right. We're not making anything up. We are honoring the design of God in every individual. And we are honoring that Mm. each person was designed to experience freedom holistically, mind, body, and spirit. You cannot kill the body without changing the state of where the spirit exists, right? Like you can't just kill someone's body and then they're chilling in the spirit. No, No. like once you kill their body, their spirit leaves. Yes. Because they're all tethered together. And we are dealing with the reality of people's mind, how God has designed us. Like one of the things I love to talk about when people are like, oh, like, well, it wasn't physical abuse or this person wasn't hurt. It's like, you know, God designed the mind, how it processes. Exactly. Part of the brain that metabolizes physical pain is the same part of the brain that metabolizes social and emotional pain. Yes. Which means pain is pain. Yeah. And God designed the body to process pain as pain, right? We look at Genesis, the first wound, the first trauma of humanity, and it had nothing to do with physical abuse. Mm. And yet it is, it has created a ripple effect of traumatic experiences that we are still experiencing to this day. 
It's so crazy. Even talking about the garden and what happened in the garden. I was talking to somebody the other day about yeah. body image yes. and they said, well, I, I love the work that you do with body image. You know, I mean, obviously we don't see body shame in the Bible, yeah. but I'm sure there are some spiritual principles. And I said, we don't see body shame in the Bible. Girl, it's the first thing we see one. after the fall. <laughs> they covered up. It's, yeah. it's the first thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful for this. Yeah. I wonder how many different types of people you find as it pertains to this struggle. But I feel like there are people, which is wild, but there might be people even listening today, some friends who might say, is this really a thing? Yeah. Is the stigma that strong? Yeah. No, we're not all into mental health. Yeah. And I would share my personal take is my first experience with mental health issues in my life. I was a teen. and. Actually, what's wild is in the six-month period after I met Jesus, in the six-month period after I met Jesus, I had come into salvation addicted to multiple different things yeah. and had no context to process that addiction. Yeah. And I experienced absolute regeneration in my heart and in my soul. Yeah. I knew I loved God. I knew I wanted to honor God and I actually didn't feel, I don't know, I don't even know that I felt shame, yeah. but I had no context to talk about the addictions I was struggling with. And yeah. so in the six months after I met Jesus, I attempted suicide twice mm. and really because I just couldn't handle my own situation. Yeah. I didn't know how to process it yeah. and then did not ever talk about that again. Didn't tell my husband, yeah. didn't tell my college roommates. Yeah didn't tell my best friends yeah. and just kind of like locked that away. And then after we had our first two kids, we had three kids in, in about 36 months, 38 months after our, my second, before we had our third, I realized I was struggling with postpartum depression, which was yeah. a, absolutely a dirty word. Yeah. You know, made me feel weak, made me feel like I was crazy. Yeah. And everyone that I told said, I think you might just be tired. Like we're Christians. We don't, we don't have this. I think you might just be tired. You have these two little kids at home. And of course I have so much compassion because everybody was doing the best they could with what they had at that time, which was very little language, very little teaching, yeah. but they had no context about my previous history. Yeah. So it took very brave friends confronting me and it took me having a conversation with my husband where I said, I need you to understand my bad day isn't a bad day. Yeah. You know, my bad day is dark. Yeah. And then I began to get help, but I still felt crazy shame about it. Yep. I still did not want to tell people. At the yeah. time I was already doing ministry online. I was yeah. like a dinosaur mommy blogger. So I was mommy <laughs> blogging throughout all of it. I, yeah. I used to call depression the D word when I wrote mm. on my blog. I couldn't even say the word depression. Wow. Of course, that was, you know, 15 years ago, 12, yeah. 13 years ago. But I know people who are living in that reality and worse. Yeah. So that's one group of people. Like, is the stigma even really a thing? Yeah. What other kind of interactions do you see around Christians and the mental health world right now? One, I think that there is genuinely a fear of God's, like, infinite. And I know that sounds like I'm, like, hopping Ooh. a little bit. But, like, 
I think a lot of Christians can't conceptualize that in the year of our Lord, 2023, we don't know everything about God that there is to know about Come God. on. And I think Come that on. people are like, no, I've gone to seminary. I've done ministry for 30 years. I've written 50 books. Like, I know this about God yes. for sure. And what you're saying is absolutely wrong. The idea that we could still be learning about God is terrifying to people. Oh. And just like, for some people, feels heretical. Yeah. Like, it's like... No, like we, God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Yeah, forevermore. That it, we didn't know everything about God yesterday. Right. We don't know everything God about God today. Yeah. And there's an infinite nature of God that can yeah. be experienced infinitely. And I think that people are scared of experiencing God in a way that God has not yet been experienced wow. because it takes the control. Yes. It takes the expert. It takes yes. like the professional hat off. Right. And I think that that is like at the core of a lot of people's resistance, I think is the idea that God could be doing something completely new. And yet we sing songs like we need a fresh wind. <laughs> and then when God sends a fresh wind, we're running for cover because we're terrified. Like not that wind. <laughs> we're like, I don't, this, this isn't familiar. I haven't met that wind. Yeah. 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 And, and it makes me honestly empathize with the Pharisees. There was a yes. familiarity that they yeah. had with the word of God and the expression of God based on their expertise. Wow. Right. And like yeah. we look at we look at Eli, you know, whose sons were like desecrating God's God's sacrifices, and he knew so much and yet was not exercising his knowledge of God, right? And there is like a true spiritual gluttony that can come yes. and cause us to a, a place of ruin yeah. if we don't work out and put into practice what we know of God. And I think yeah. some of us are like hoarding information about God. And so we feel like I know everything there is to know. I know every single doctrine. Yeah. I know every single theological position. And and to that, to myself, to anybody, no, you don't. Yes. You just don't, you know? And do you want a God you can put on a three-page PDF? Oh, my is that girl, what you want? Girl, girl. It's so interesting. So the yeah. week this episode comes out, I will be starting seminary, which is Oh my gosh, I, I'm congrats. so pumped. I can't wait. It's about yeah. a 20-year dream. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Good Lord. Well, let me tell you where I'm at with yeah. it. So my husband and I had a talk the other night. He was so sweet. He gave me a, like a seminary prize pack <laughs> with a book bag and note cards and yeah. all the things. And he said, I do just want to have a conversation because he's been to seminary yeah. and I wanted to go since he went. Yeah. And he said, I do just want to have a conversation with you because I do want you to be who you are when you're done. Yeah. And he said, I love the way you feel about God. And I love how rogue and wild you feel. And I love yeah. how, even sometimes how not careful you are with God. Yeah, I said, that means a lot to me, babe. And I said, I, I love that you love me enough to say, don't change, yeah. you know? And I'm telling you, like, come for me Yeah, if I start acting like I know all yeah. the things about God. Yeah. But I said, I do want to tell you why I'm going to seminary and why I'm so glad I waited 20 years yeah. because I am not scared. I'm not going because I'm scared. I'm not going because I'm scared that I have gotten it wrong. Yeah. I have gotten it wrong. Yeah. And I am not assuming that at the end of this three years, I will have figured it out. Yeah. I'll keep getting it wrong. Yeah. He's infinite. Yeah. Thank you, Come God. On, that is such a beautiful connection to the mental health world, though. Yeah. Because don't you want to know all of them? Yeah. Don't you want to know what he says about your mind? Yeah. Don't you want to know how he's created your mind and your body to work together for yep. your good. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Wow. 
We yeah. could talk about this a long time. It makes me think about just the reality that, like, Jesus says, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you're not going to receive it at all. Right. You know, and I think that, like, learning new things, whether it's in seminary or learning from a therapist or learning from anyone any field, it can either breed a spiritual elitism or, like, a deep sense of awe. Yeah. You know, and, like, we get to decide. Yes. We get to decide what direction we're going to lean into. Are we going to lean into, wow, God's vastness is much more vast than I could have ever imagined? Or are we thinking this is great content to use to Mm. influence people to believe that I am worth something, that I deserve attention, that I deserve a following, that I deserve a book deal? And, like, I think that there is... I'm excited for you to go to seminary because I feel like seminary needs you. That's mm-hmm. one thing I realized. Seminary needs more people who have experienced God. That even ties into the work that I do. That like yeah. we can't talk ourselves out of things that we've experienced. Right. If the pain was experienced, then the healing has to be experiential. You know, and that's why I do a lot of the work I do. It's experiential. Yes. I'm helping you understand logically, but then I'm inviting you into corrective emotional experiences so you can experience something beyond the pain that you felt like was the only thing that was going to define your yeah. life. You know? Yeah. I want to say something that I want to put right here on the podcast. And yeah. if you have not read Why Am I Like This, you're going to read it in the book. So I'm telling you, I'm not gonna, <laughs> telling you're going to I'm not. To you're going to read about it in the book. Yeah. So stay with me. But speaking of experimental treatments, I'm going to name two that you mentioned in the book that have vastly helped my life. One is the tapping method. Yes. I was so grateful that you gave such, uh, I don't know, intelligent and also understandable way of explaining it. Because the tapping method has changed my life. God has absolutely used it to heal my anxiety. Yep. The other one is EMDR, which my husband is currently receiving EMDR treatment. He would not mind me sharing this. I'll get his permission from a pastor who's also a therapist to help him process a near drowning experience that we had. And it's changing his life. And this summer he could go in the ocean and could go in lakes and could go in bodies of water. And I don't want you to even obviously unpack on the podcast what emdr and tapping are yeah because i want you guys to read the book (laughs) (laughs) i'm not telling you anything but i do want to say i mean i guess i'm asking have learning so many of these therapies have they just left you so much more in awe of god yes and how kind he is yes and it has been i think what's been exciting about it is realizing that god has made provision for everything yeah like everything that has been designed by god when broken has a provision by God, you know, like provision for things we didn't even know existed for systems in the body we're still learning about. Yes. And so, I mean, I, I love it because I think that a lot of us feel like I I recently told a friend, she was just like, I don't think therapy is going to help me because I feel like what's talking about it going to do. And I said, I think that's part of the stigma is I think that people have gotten comfortable enough to think that they understand the intricacies of what therapy is. And many people really don't know what therapy is. They just think it's sitting across from someone talking about how you feel. But that's not true. You can process trauma without talking about the trauma. Right. Right. There's brain spotting. There's EMDR. There's tapping. There's psychodrama. There's there's sociometry. There's so many different types of therapies out there Mm -hmm. that I think that like collectively as believers and as people, like there's a humility we're going to have to adopt 
to people who are trained in this. Yeah. Because some people are giving up when like the fight's already won. Yep. All you have to do is step in the ring. Yep. If you just went once a week, you would get to see that there is an expert who is trained to heal the very thing you feel is controlling your life. Come on. You know? Okay. I'm going to skip to a question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Because this point in the interview, what I think a lot of women are going to be feeling just very honestly is must be nice. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if I could go. Yeah. That sounds great for you. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't yeah. have the resources. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I know you have so much compassion for those women. Oh, yeah. Will you talk to them for a minute? Oh, absolutely. Hey, girl. I will say this, that anything worth having is worth sacrificing for. Yeah. And that does not, that is not me saying I'm dismissing your financial problems, right. this or that. But like I started my therapy journey by saving up my literal like school lunch money and walking to therapy. Wow. I didn't have a car at the time. And I just called a bunch of places like, can you do a sliding scale? Can yes. you do a slide? I mean, I was seeing therapists for $15. Yes. Can you please do, I'm desperate. Please, please, like just harassing them, right? Yeah. And so I feel, I feel the desperation. Yeah. I feel the sense of hopelessness because sometimes you can't even think to be resourceful when you're so depressed and right. anxious. Like your brain, dude, like your brain's creativity is gone. Right. You're just like, God, just bring the water. And if the water does not come, I can't go looking for 100%. it. And so I get that. And so one, I would say community is such a protective factor. Yeah. It's, I mean, studies show that like it is the number one indicator of resilience and recovery from trauma and that healing happens quicker in groups than it happens in any other context. Right. Wow. So like, Get connected to people who have been to therapy. That's so right? good. Don't make them your therapist, but like get connected right. to people who care, who have that compassion, who have that understanding yeah. and are not going to shame you, are not going to heap more burdens on you. Come right? on. Um, but then also there are lots of resources. Yeah. And I think that's also part of it is like, I'm like, man, I wish people knew that there are like resources, there are scholarships, there are so many funds, there are things out there for people to go to therapy. And many practices will do like, because they have such high rates sometimes, the reason why they do that is so that they can see some people for free. Yeah. So that they can afford to do scholarships, so that they can afford to do sliding scale. Right. And, you know, not go under as a business, open path therapy. Um, and I'll send you the link to this. Yeah, thank you. Such an incredible place. So it is a therapy search site that is specifically for therapists who are only doing therapy for $60 or under. Amazing. And you can search for Christian therapists. You can search for marriage therapists, Amazing. trauma therapists, therapists for your kids. These are all people who have committed to saying, I have spots open for lower rates than what my average rate is. And you can reach out to them, you can match with them, and then you can get therapy. The Love Them Foundation gives four $120 vouchers to black and brown women going to therapy. Thank you, God. Scatter Joy is a Christian organization that just launched their therapy fund, and you can now apply to get resources. Also, visit your local church. The care department of many churches will cover usually between three and five sessions with therapists that are in that network that have been vetted in different industries and different disciplines. And so I would just say, don't give up. Not having the money doesn't mean you can't have the access to the healing. It may mean you have to get creative. Mm -hmm. It may mean that you have to get scrappy and start really calling people and things, but like, do not be afraid to call and say, I need help. Can you see me for free? Yeah. Or can I see you? And also bartering is legal. 
Right. You can barter with your therapist. You I cut people, hair. Yes. You clean houses. Yes. You watch the her kids. Uh-huh. I worked at a practice where one so of the clients good. did the landscaping. Come on. Like they mowed the lawn weekly and like, you know, That's clean amazing. up the flowers and, and trim the hedges. And that was how they paid for I their therapy. I love that tip. You know, that's money is so not good. the only currency we have to give in relationships. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. It's funny. I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast, but when I first started therapy in that season where I had postpartum depression, I didn't get help after my second kid. After my third kid, I waited until he was about two and I was yeah. breaking. Yeah. And other people had come to me and said, like, you're not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not. Well, people can start seeing it from the outside. Yeah. It's, it's, likely decimated you from the inside. Yes. And yeah. that's where we were. And we were in a season where we were supposed to be leaving to go plant our church. We had fundraised. We had yeah. told everybody we're going to go plant a church. We're going to go plant a church. Yeah. And some friends pulled me aside and said, no, you're not. You can't. Then I had to go to my husband and say, I don't think we can go. I think we have to stay here. And so we landed in, my husband got a job in a cubicle filing papers electronically for an insurance company. Mm. We lived in a house that we call the fishing shack that someone <laughs> rented to us for $600 a month. Wow. We were living well below the poverty level. We made $14,000 the first year, $12,000 the second year. We had three wow. kids, two bedrooms, one slept in a closet. Wow. We shared a car and we shared a laptop. So I would have to drive Nick 30 minutes to work if I needed the car with the kids that day. What I'm saying is I'm not like, boasting in our suffering. What I'm yeah. saying is we had everything stacked against us for me yeah. to go to therapy. Yep. And actually, this is the part that I've never shared. We were going to a church at the time where I knew enough to know I needed help. And we had actually just landed at this church because some friends of friends went there and we were new to the city and we were like, well, we'll land here. Yeah. And I met a few moms in like dropping kids off for yeah like daycare at, you know, whatever they call mm -hmm. it, child care at the church. And I had met those moms and they seemed normal enough. And I Facebook messaged them, three of them. And I said, I actually need to start therapy. I've found a place I can go. I don't know anyone in the city. Is there yeah. any of you that could watch my kids? And not one of them responded. Mm. So the first few times I went to therapy, we left that church. We never went back. Yeah. I actually said even more vulnerable things. I said, I really probably shouldn't be alone a lot of the time. Yeah. Could any of you come hang out with me? Like, yeah. would you want to just be together with our kids? I don't have a car. Yeah. Could you come over? Yeah. You know, just a mess. Yeah. And I'm so proud of that version of me for being so brave, but yeah. so devastated for her that they never answered. We never went back, didn't go back the next Sunday. So my yeah. mom lived two hours away at the time and would drive yeah. To come watch my kids so I could go to therapy. And thankfully, I found somewhere that did a sliding scale. I think I paid about $15. Yeah. And it changed my life. Yeah. And it was exhausting oh, yeah. to figure out. So I, I just have so much <laughs> compassion for you. It's exhausting yeah. to figure Tiring. out. And also, it is figure outable. Yeah. You know? Yep. Okay. I have another question for you. Okay. So to the person who's listening who's like, yes, everybody needs therapy. Yeah. I think everybody should go to therapy. Yeah. But hasn't been. Can you talk to them? <laughs> because this is a lot of us. I love you guys so much, but this is a lot of us. A lot of us would say love therapy. Everybody should. I'm so grateful for Kobe and her work. Everybody should go to therapy. Oh, gosh. But Listen. they're not 
but not me. But I don't need it. But I'm. I think I'm okay. I feel like you've been like listening to me and my husband's conversations, <laughs> and my husband would be cool with me sharing this. That was him for years. Yeah. He was like, my wife is an incredible therapist. She's amazing. She's great. She love mental all health the work. Yes. And then he went to therapy, and he was mm. like, oh. he was like, oh, this is this is this is not easy. This is hard. This is difficult. Yeah. And I think that. That like truly, I, I feel like at the core of all this is really humility. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to go, why don't you want to go? Mm. Why everyone else but you? You know. Yeah. And like, it looks like pride, and I think that's like an easy thing to like shoot at someone. Like, it's pride. It's usually fear. Yeah. It's yeah. usually fear that it won't work for me. Yeah. I'm the one person who can't benefit from it. I'm the one person who is too broken, or it's usually feeling like I've already had to figure out so much of my life alone. Yes. Why not another thing? And I think that people don't even know what they could benefit from therapy because it's like someone having the key to a treasure chest that yep. you don't even know exists. Yeah. And the only way you'll know is you'll go to them, they'll give you a key and you'll say, what's this for? And they'll be like this chest over here. And you're like, what's in it? And they're like treasure. And like there's literal no treasure. Literal treasure. Not monsters. Yep. Yep. And I, I think that... I'm like trying to like be careful with my words. I think it's really important for us to understand that when you've experienced trauma, when you've experienced deep wounds, you are not qualified yeah. to judge what's healthy and what's not. Because yeah. I have a lot of clients who, are, who think that their anxiety is normal because it's persistent. Just because it's persistent doesn't mean it's normal. Right. Or what's the word that we say a lot? Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Yes. Just because everybody else is having it. Yeah. Just because we're laughing about it like it's uh -huh. no big anymore. Yeah. Doesn't mean, I mean it's, it's normal. normal. And doesn't mean it's healthy. And so like yeah. some of my clients will come in and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I just want to like talk about this transition for this new job. And I'll be like, oh, how's your sleep? And they're like, oh, I have night terrors like once or twice a week. And or I'll have sleep paralysis. And I'll be like, yeah. Oh, do you want to talk about that? And they'll be like, no, I like I had it my whole life. I'm fine. And like there's almost this like surrender to brokenness yeah that they have like oh like it's just it's all I've ever known and yeah just because it's all you've ever known doesn't mean it's all you'll ever know you Ooh. know and I think that there's so many people who don't even know that's the one thing my husband tells his friends he said I didn't even know I could feel like this yeah I couldn't have even made this a goal if someone said what's the goal of therapy I couldn't even have made what I'm experiencing right now a goal because I did not I didn't have the eyes to see the dysfunction yeah you can be too close to see like if I take my hand and I stick it way too close to my face I can't tell it's a hand right only with distance or with the perspective of someone else who has distance right can I see clearly what it is yeah you know and so I think that Go to therapy. Experience it for yourself. Yeah. Experience, like we can speak from a place of knowledge or we could speak from a place of experience. And experience is embodied knowledge. Yeah. Like experience is like that's how we get wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge embodied. Not only do I have this information, but I know how to apply this information mm -hmm. within the context of my life. And I can perceive how it might apply to your life, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us want to hop on the mental health train without mental health professionals. Yeah. You know, we want to understand like anxiety and depression and all the things. But like the truth is God has really given wisdom and insight yeah. and expertise to people. And like we're just kind of turning away from it. Yeah. You know, and that makes me so sad. I'm like, man, 
like I, I had a client, I'll say this. I had a client a couple of years ago who was like, oh yeah, I grew up in a really abusive household, lots of domestic violence. And I get really jumpy around things, but I know that will never change because that was just my story. Mm. And I literally said, who told you that could never change? Yeah. And she was just like, well, I mean, how could I change that? And I was like, you know, there are therapies that can desensitize you to the right. things that you're triggered by right now. And she was like, how? And I literally explained what EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. You reprocess your trauma. What you're triggered by right now, you don't have to be triggered by forever. Yeah. And a lot of people think, well, I have to change what happened to me to experience something different in the present. Mm. That's not true. You only have to change your relationship with what happened in the right. past. We can look back, still feel sad, but not feel activated on a neurological level by the things that we've experienced. Right. And so there's like a cultural mm. perspective of like, I can't change what happened. And so I can't change how I react to what happened. Yeah. That's not true. You're right. We can't change what happened, but we can change how you react to what happened. Mm. Because God is so kind yeah. with how he made our brains. Literally. So let a professional tell you. Yeah. Because it's real. Yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> okay, I want to say this in layman's terms, and then I want you to say it in an expert's terms. Okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> this is the other thing. I, so I think what I hear from a lot of people, because as a pastor, as a coach, I feel like I have to be very careful to know, like, that's not mine to hold. That yeah. is actually going to be a therapy question. Yeah. That is not, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. I can walk with you. I can sit with you. I can encourage you. Yeah. I can spur you on to the next thing. Yeah. I can't actually, I'm not qualified to help you process that. Right. Or rewrite however yep. your brain is experiencing that. Yeah. So it's my great honor to often refer people to therapists. Yeah. What I hear from people is, I don't want to open it. I don't want to open the, the box. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be treasure. I think it's going to be monsters. Yeah. And if I open it, I'm going to fall inside it. Yeah. I don't want to be sad, which I could not <laughs> relate to more. Yeah. I, after my experience with depression in the early 2010s, I never wanted to be sad again for the rest of my life. Yes. <laughs> and so now a lot of what I have to do in therapy is make a container for grief to yes. let myself be sad, yep. to give myself space to feel those feelings. I yep. have to exercise in ways where I can yep. cry freely because yep. I, I need the somatic release, all the things. Yep. That being said, this is what I want to say to you in layman's terms as a friend. You think you're not dealing with it, and so everybody else is dealing with it. Mm. You think that by keeping it in the box, it's not affecting you, Yeah, but it is. And the people who know you in your life, you think like, if I don't talk about the trauma, if I don't name it, if I don't look at it, if I don't call it a trigger, if I don't yeah. use that language, if I use more spiritual language, uh -huh. I'm good. I'm delivered. Yep. But the people in your life... Would beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And then next, I want to ask you about the words trauma and trigger because yeah. your book Obviously. has such good language for those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say just because you don't look at something doesn't mean it's not affecting you. If I'm in a room with a lion and I turn my back on the lion, now I don't know where the lion is. Right. I don't change the fact that the lion's there. That's it. You know, I've I've just lost track of what the lion's doing. You know? Yeah. Not looking at it is abdicating your power to do something about it. Yeah. You know? And, and I also think that, you know, people don't want to be sad and you're just going to have to. And I say this to my trauma clients all the time, whether they're believers or not. And what's funny is it's my clients who are the non-believers who always say this. They're like, this feels like dying. 
I'm like, yeah. Like, scripture meant it in every way. They're like, yeah. we are going to have to die to ourselves, yeah. you know? And that when you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. When you hold on to the image of perfection at the expense of healing, you're going to lose your life, Yeah, you know? And when you let go of that image of perfection to experience healing, you'll gain it. Thank you. You know? And I think that for many people, they I hold on to this image. This image will become real. Yeah. It's not going to be real. And also, just because you're not talking about it doesn't mean your body's not processing it. Yeah. There are tons of studies about the correlations between secret keeping and cancer in the esophagus, right? There's tons of studies about gastrointestinal issues, IBS, yeah. and anxiety. Yeah. Like your body is processing the reality of your pain, whether you want to open your mouth and say something about it or yeah. not. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so either you begin the process of dealing with it or you you let that pain ravage your life through the experiences of your body. Going back to the beginning, and if the whole gospel is true, yeah. and if we honor God so much, and if we want to be such spiritual creatures, wouldn't we want as much of his healing as possible? Yep. Wouldn't we yep. want to open every drawer and be yeah. like, that might not even matter, but yeah, <laughs> come on in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The word trauma, the word trigger. I want to read both of these things that are from the book. This is the only insider info I'm giving you guys. <laughs> yeah. Everything else, you're going to have to read it. You actually wrote multiple different explanations of trauma. This yeah. is the one that was very helpful for me. Trauma is any moment or series of moments that have lasting negative effects on our physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, relational, financial, and or social well-being. Yeah. Now, I may put that on a note card because I do live in a house with teens yeah. who do use the word trauma in regards oh, to gosh. like, traumatic. she's using the air fryer. This is traumatic. I wanted yeah. to use the air fryer. Yeah. But what would you say to the people who roll their eyes every time they're hearing the word trauma yeah. and who would say like, I don't have any? Yeah. I encounter so many people in the church who say I don't have trauma. Uh-huh. At that, I find myself either wanting to say, like, yes, you do, mm-hmm. or maybe you've been the trauma. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. They they may have been. I don't they may you have know. Been. Yeah. And another way that I like to help people understand that they may have trauma, there's like Two-ish, three-ish ways. One, helping them understand trauma is a persistent state of experiencing distress in a way that surpasses your ability to cope with that distress. That's really good. Yeah. Your distress is here and your coping skills are here. Yeah. Like what are the things in your life that you persistently cannot cope with? What are the things that... Say more about what not being able to cope with it means. Oh, yeah. When we think about the trauma responses, sorry, Mm -hmm. this is going to get a little nerdy. Get it. Um, it. I wish I went more into it, into the book, but like my editors were like, this is going to be a textbook. And I was like, okay, sorry, I'll cut things out. But like people think there's fight, flight, freeze. Really five. There's fight, flight, freeze, fawn, fold. Right? So fawn is stepping into a position of orienting yourself emotionally, mentally, physically to someone else's emotional, physical state so that you can regulate yourself. Why are you hurting my feelings like this? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not uh, hurting my feelings. 
So when you're fawning, yeah. if you're okay, I'm okay. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. Yes. Right. And so people and like so being around people can get really exhausting. Yes. Especially if multiple people are in multiple emotional places yes. because you don't know how to locate yourself. Yes. You don't know how to say like if you're sad and you're angry. You're like, I don't know what I feel because I'm trying to figure out why you're sad. I'm trying to figure out how to make you less angry, right? Yes. And, and the, fold, the fold is really about like shutting down. Yeah. What are like, there are some people who have experiences and they are out of commission for the next three days. I am yeah. in bed. I physically have the energy to get up, but like I can't get out of bed. I just can't answer yeah. this email. I just can't. I just can't. And you don't even have a, the words or the reason. Like that's often that fold of like your body, like saying we are completely overstimulated. We cannot deal and cope with the distress that's in front of us. Yeah. Right. And so like, do you go to your in-laws house and every time you come back home, you have to take off of work? Yeah. You're experiencing a distress that surpasses your ability to cope with that distress. Yeah. Right. Which means that there's, a wound there. Right. The word trauma translates in Greek to a wound. Right. So that's like one part. And another thing is when I talk to people who are like, oh, I don't have any trauma. I don't have any. I'll just say, okay, like I understand. I just have a couple of questions for you. One, are there any patterns in your life that you want to change, but you just can't? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any patterns in your life that so you're like, good. I want to change this so badly, but for whatever reason, I just can't. And then the second question is, if you could never engage in that pattern again, what emotion would you have to get acquainted with? Oh, okay. That's good. So does anybody not have trauma? I think that there are some people who, one, I think that being a human being is traumatic. Let me just yeah. say that. I feel yeah. like existing in a broken world is traumatic. It is. Point blank, period. Yeah. I think that people are affected by things by different degrees because God created our nervous systems all differently. Yeah. And I think that there's some people who have experienced trauma and experienced a resolution of their trauma, right? Okay. Yeah. That's very normal, right? And I think that some people, in the same way that a wound is a wound, but wounds can affect us to different degrees, mm -hmm. right? So like if my oldest child gets a paper cut, it's over. It's mm -hmm. over. The day's done. <laughs> like, yep. like we're in bed. We're holding on to Penguin and yep. we're watching Bluey for the rest of the day. Bless. If my second born gets a paper cut, he probably won't even notice that he's bleeding. Yeah. You know, that yeah. like the wound is still a wound, but it affects people differently. And I yeah. think that there are people who are less affected by their wounds. Right. Mm. And there are just seasons where the wounds are worse than seasons where the wounds are not. Yeah. There's seasons where we're more sensitive to the paper cut and there are seasons where we don't notice we even have a paper cut until we wash our hands or something, you know? And I think so that is a real reality. I think that the line sometimes is between people who are truly experiencing the healing. Because what I don't want to do is create a narrative that I think sometimes can't go around just because we care deeply about mental health means that nobody on this side of heaven experiences healing. Right. You know, like we are going to experience healing here in the land of the living. Like God can do yeah. it here, yeah. you know, but they're on the other end are the people who like are just bleeding on everyone and are like, I'm fine. And you're like, girl, you know, you're not, mm. you're not okay. You know? Yeah. Is there anybody that you would say doesn't need therapy mm. or I, would not be served by no. a check-in, a tune-up. No, no, I don't think anyone would not be served right. by therapy. I think everyone can be served by therapy because therapy is not only for the bad stuff. Right. Therapy is, it's about being witnessed. Oh yeah. It's about being seen. I could not fully comprehend 
the attunement and the and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit until I sat in a room completely silent with a therapist that was like, what do you need? Yeah. Like that is what gave me like spiritual reference for what it means for God to hear my prayers. Yeah. They're like, he is sitting, his phone's away. He's not, you know, it's me and him and his full-time job is like attention to me. Yeah. That is, I got that, that idea like, oh, like that is how God shows up for me through therapy. And Sometimes people don't have people to celebrate with. Exactly. Just to process blessing with. Yes. One of the most, I mean, I'll take breaks from therapy every once in a while and took a break for a couple of years and came back around the time of my second book launch because I just, I was like, I really am so happy. This is stressful and I need somebody to talk to about the being known and not being known piece of like someone reading your in or most thoughts and then sending you theirs. (laughs) And I need it. But I said, mostly... I love my people so much and I know that no one has the capacity to sit with me week after week. Let me say out loud what it feels like to be living this dream. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They love me. Yeah. They would have that conversation with me. Yeah. But to have the capacity to do it week after week after week, for me to honor it and not act like it's a burden. Yeah. Even having somebody to process blessing with. Yeah. is so important. Yep. Okay. I, I actually want to ask you one million more questions, okay. but what I'm going to do is next week on the podcast, I am going to invite you. I'm not going to make you guys, but I'm going to invite you to read Why Am I Like This with me. I'm going to give you kind of a four-week reading plan that I'm going to use to reread it myself, and I am going to give you some opportunities to share what you think, to share your favorite parts about the book, and I may even email, Kobe, if you have margin, I may yeah. even email you some reader questions that you can just type up a response yeah. really quickly. So. You guys come back next week and we'll walk through that together. I cannot wait to read this book with you. But I want to say thank you again for your generosity. And I do think a lot of people are going to be wondering if you can be their therapist, but you cannot. (laughs) Correct. I will say this. I personally am full, but I will say I have a team of incredible therapists. We're literally bringing on two more people and then before the end of the month. Amazing. Um, I already have Maria who has some space. She's incredible. She provides services in English and in Spanish. Thank you, God. She is a believer as well. And so she is like the world's best kept secret. So I love that. The practice is taking more clients. Personally, I'm not, but we all have really similar trainings. I supervise. And so incredible. it's a really, really great opportunity to work with someone who, who sees things the way I do. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. In the show notes, we're going to link to your practice. We're going to link to all of the resources you've shared with us. And before we leave, would you just pray for our friends? Just anything you want to send them out with? Yeah, absolutely. God, thank you for being present in every single moment, whether we are paying attention to you or not, whether we are worshiping or praying or whether Mm -hmm. we're just watching TV or whether we're just anxiously spiraling, God, you are Mm -hmm. present in it all. And God, I just pray for every single listener, every single person who will hear this prayer, every single person who will hear this conversation. God, would you just begin to tap on their hearts right now and 
bring to their mind the moments that you want to heal, the moments that they feel like, okay, there's no way God can do anything about this and there's no healing and I just have to cope, God. We just rebuke the lie of the enemy to settle for brokenness in our lives. And we ask God that you would put in them a holy courage to speak up, a holy courage to reach out again, a holy courage to send that email again, a holy courage to make that call again, God, that they would experience the attentiveness, the attunement, the kindness, the tenderness that we know is available to us through you and through the people that you've sent to help in their healing journey. So God, I just pray peace over them. I pray boldness over them. I pray rest over them, rest over their minds, rest over their bodies, rest over their rising, rest over their sitting, rest over their sleeping, rest over their working, rest over the relationship. God, would this be a season, God, where even when the enemy wants to draw them into busyness, into hardship, God, that this would be a time where they get to find rest, God, that they would spiritually have their ears to your chest and that that would be their place of rest. So God, we thank you. We know you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think or imagine, God. And some of us can't imagine healing, but we're grateful for a Holy Spirit that intercedes on our behalf when we don't have the words, God. Help them to hear the song of deliverance that you are singing over them that exists at all times, at all moments, God. And let healing be their portion in a way that it would be their testimony to. Let it be, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 That was incredible. That was out of this world. Good job. You're so good at your job. (laughs) That's going to change. Thank you. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.